Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. I'm your host, and this is where we live. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, yet another day. Here we are, broadcasting live. I actually left my recording equipment. I left my headset and I left my microphone because they're both one and the same. It's built into the same piece. I thought that I would basically have my, um, whatchamacallit, I thought I would have a pocket somewhere where I could uh, put my digital platform and get the day started properly. But um, we will have to, you know, improvise. And I have a lot of cool topics to go over with you guys for today. In our pursuit of happiness, of course, in business. And... Um, I always wanted to document everything conversation style and share with you guys exactly how we make the magic happen. So I'm taking a business from zero to a trillion, right? Well, yesterday I found myself falling asleep early and I mean, I'm sorry, late and what ended up happening is that I reached out to a lot of key people in the music industry. Um, the first person I contacted yesterday was Miss Deborah A. That is the rapper known as Waka Flocka Flame's mother, who has her own entertainment company. She handles management. And the second person I contacted was Damon Dash, whom... I have not reached out to since 2016 so we're talking about seven years ago right we always say in Dominican numbers is eight years ago but in a way I want to explain why I had to reach out to them well basically I have a a, a plan right and in this plan, there's a process that is currently in development. So I need more of the resources and more of the insight of these two individuals in order to broker my deal. Because my deal has a lot of uh, sequential steps along the way right like stipulations like okay we achieve goal one and then we can move on to goal two the ultimate goal thus far is to make it to apple music as a record label by way of me being an artist and releasing 20 records before moving forward so long story short in a sense i would be uh using one of these you know person's insight in order to navigate that final field and they 
handling management have a huge incentive because management could be anywhere between 15 to 20% of overall revenue streams. Um, so very quickly, we are gonna do a module today. So we're gonna be learning today. Please log on to mindtools.com, our sponsor of the day. Let's go to leadership skills and let's go into leadership styles okay um now we have a module kind of uh queued up for you guys so we'll be able to to kind of um go more in depth so <clears throat> let me give you some background on Ms. Deb Antney. She is an entertainment manager and the founder and CEO of Ms. A Entertainment. Um, she rose to fame for breaking the careers of several high-profile artists such as Gucci Mane, French Montana, and Nicki Minaj. So this will be a potential addition to her catalog from the perspective of potentially managing me. Now, <clears throat> the thing about her managing me <clears throat> is essential because the category that I'm here to suffice is a very crucial category that is not currently a part of her portfolio. First and foremost, the artists that are slotted to compete against my brand or my music are the three most influential artists, which is Kanye West, Drake, and Bad Bunny. So I have a clearly identified parameter of you know exactly what we need to do now first of all in her roster as far as work ethic Gucci Mane has a huge catalog and props to him for that he's done exceptionally well for himself and props to him for that but the biggest artist other than her son, which is also a huge artist. Um, as far as accomplishments and outreach, French Montana is one of those elite artists, right? But Nicki Minaj is international. That means that she is in her own category and she is essentially in her own lane on many different um, aspects. So if I had to choose a lane as far as the elitism of her catalog, I would be the male version of the division that she manages for artists such as uh, Nicki Minaj. So this is critical because you have to understand 
many elements about my project to even consider if this is something that, you know, let's say management would want to undertake. And that's what we're going to discuss today and why we're going to do a module based on leadership skills because what we aim to do today, what I aim to share with you guys is why I'm seeking this type of brokerage firm, whether it's direct management or there are situations where, you know, a person could walk into a label and basically put a deal on the table and secure a contract. So because I have my lane defined, and as a matter of fact, shout out to Nas because I wrote to Nas yesterday as well. He was one of the first artists that I wrote to yesterday. Um, I need to make sure that I place my project in the hands of the proper representation. And the, the main reason is, is because of what I bring to the table. When I spoke of Nicki Minaj, and we're speaking about her being international, right now, there is no bigger avenue or bigger lane than the Latin market which is predominantly dominated by Bad Bunny because of certain stipulations, such as the fact that Bad Bunny has a ridiculous agreement where he keeps 90% of his income. Now, I need you to take a quick second to understand what a 90-10 split means because in my joint venture with, for example, United Masters, I'm in the same 90 to 95% range as far as owning and being able to collect my mechanical royalties and everything else. Now, Ms. Deb, for example, does not have an international star that is male and I would be that artist. Number two, on top of everything, I am a Latin artist, which would create a completely different dynamic for, for example, her franchise or, you know, what she will be able to bring to the table. So because of those things, I'm able to bring something to her that is not currently in her portfolio. And this is the main advantage that I would have as, as an artist, right? So the main stipulation and what we're also going to be discussing is the fact that I reached out to a few of my childhood friends that were essential people or essential members of the start of my career. So long story short, I reached out to a friend of mine um, that I, I called JL 
he's an artist who became a producer whom I worked with in the very beginning of my career. Him and another friend of mine um, basically started a production and promotion company that turned into digital marketing and management. The reason why I wrote to my, my friend JL was basically the same reason why I had written to Angie Martinez about a week ago and why I had written to Nazir Jones. Because at the end of the day, it was my way of saying thank you for what we had accomplished together as one. And in a way, when I contacted Angie Martinez, it was a way for me to basically say thank you, but it was a way of me closing a part of my childhood. Because you have to understand, I got into the music industry very young. And, you know, I remember even the, the fire that was sparked inside of my soul when this group of people um, basically shunned me away or put me off to the side as something that would come and go and never return again. And I used all of that as motivation to become the musical force that I have. Like this is over 20 something years later. So now when I write to Nas from an artistic standpoint, I'm saying thank you for the inspiration because I finally beat you. I finally have a catalog that is much greater than yours. And I can say the same for Jay-Z. Tupac and Biggie are not alive for me to be able to, to tell them thank you outside of the spiritual realm because I always mention them in my music and I always talk about them. The same goes for Big Pun, the same goes for Big L, right? Don Corleone. And even now, you know, that artists like DMX have passed away, etc. So, and, and again, and I want to add to another element, the fact that I basically um, looked into uh, 50's, 50 Cent's um, last book, and I went through the book and pretty much had a lot of fun going through that entire process. So without veering off the topic, when I reached out to Ms. Deb, I literally told her that I trusted nothing and no one in the music business or the music industry. And I needed somebody of her expertise level to guide me through this process, to broker this deal. Because this is one of those deals that's gonna be easily over a hundred, maybe $200 million. It could be as high as, you know, the low 300s, right? And first of all, this type of expertise does not come cheap. You know, 20% of 300 million is $60 million, okay? Some artists make 20, $30 million over the course of a career. She would be securing this in one swift stroke, meaning in one negotiation, 
this deal has potential to make her $60 million. So you have to understand from a business standpoint, as much as from a human being standpoint, you know, I respect the fact that she's a beautiful woman and, and you know, she's a excellent entrepreneur and all these beautiful things come into play. But besides that, I understand that I'm literally writing a check for $60 million, which is something that I necessarily, oh, what now we doing? <laughs> oh, that's my boy right there. That That's something that I would be doing, um, you know, in a sense, I'm, I'm literally writing a check for, <laughs> that's my boy right there. It, I would be writing a check for uh, $60 million, basically, right? So I have to take the opportunity um, as such, right? So long story short, I basically um, am thinking about this when I'm reaching out to this person, right? So as I'm reaching out to this person, um, I'm basically thinking that in the back of my mind at the same time I'm looking at her as a motherly figure because I have so much respect for her and I know that for a woman it's not easy to break into the music industry and maintain herself the way that she has so like I would want to give her the 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 opportunity I would want to give her the the insight to actually secure the the actual deal because if there's anything that I trust is a woman in business and I take pride in having built the team that is um that is basically strengthened by the insights of a woman a woman is the most powerful being on this universe in my humble opinion so this is one of those things that basically, um, you know, establishes so much. And um, this is in the sense that all these feelings and all this emotion and all of these thoughts are going into what I'm aspiring to do. And I feel that she would be straight with me. It doesn't mean she's not going to charge her 15, 20%, you know, depending on what the stipulations are. But I feel that we would be able to communicate on the same level playing field. Like, I feel like she would fight for me in corporate, which is not necessarily something that I couldn't do on my own, but um, in the sense that. I feel that she's earned the respect of the industry. And I feel that if there's something that I needed, she would be able to secure for me where I could focus on the creative aspect of being an artist. And I could just focus on the art and handle the business, but let her be the the first line of defense, right? So... I'm tapping into my emotions because I feel that, you know, I need to bring this deal to somebody that is worthy of negotiating this deal. And I honestly could not think 
of a better person to to bring to um to the table and she would be the person to actually be able to do that right so long story short i wrote to her and i voiced my opinion i said listen miss debbie i don't trust anyone you know i have a huge project if you're interested in management in managing this project and managing me you know let me know now i still want to call the corporate office i'm still going to send a formal written proposal correct but the more i prayed on it the more everything told me like yo miss debbie she could she could hit it out the park like she would be the number one agent for for management once we close this deal so what what qualifies me to be able to reach out to a manager of her caliber to broker a deal and not just walk me into the record label but like be an active part of my career and i told her i said miss deb i have a catalog of over 3000 songs that's just in between 2021 and 2022 but for 2022 i released over 2000 records so without going into too much detail i pretty much established world records for an independent solo artist because now I'm also in this process of getting World Guinness Book of Records to verify all of my claims. Now, I also calculated that the expenses are going to be somewhere close to $200,000. And this process is going to take eight to nine months. And you know that 2023 is a very important year because I have been planning for 2023 for the last two years. So I reach out to Damon Dash and I say the same thing. I say, listen, Damon, I haven't spoken to you or your team or your staff since 2016. This is seven years later. Seven years later, I have a few thousand songs to prove my worth in not only the public side, but in the perception of the music business and the music industry. You see, a record deal or a record label did not stop me or hinder my growth. It motivated me to continue to work as hard as, as possible to, to be able to how would I say, to be able to continue um, my development, not only as an artist, but of my my work ethic in the same in the same process. So long story short, my intent was to convey this message indirectly to the industry because 
once they engage with me reaching out to them, they're gonna have to look at the project, even if only for consideration, even if they decide, you know what, I don't wanna get involved in this project. But it lets the industry elite know there is a storm coming. There's a storm brewing. This person has a huge catalog, huge potential. Most importantly, this is the person that can take the pathway that has been carved by like Bad Bunny and take it to the next level. Not only do I have a huge catalog and hundreds and hundreds of collaborations and releases, but this is in 12 or more different styles. So that means that the tentacles of my reach are far beyond what a lot of these artists are able to do. You see, when a record label signs me, they can't just sign me as one artist. They have to sign me as a multiple faceted um, organization because for every record that I could release in English, I could release in Spanish. For every market that I could break in English, I can break 20 different markets in Spanish. And that's a reach, that's a global outreach that the majority of artists based in the United States do not have the capacity to do so. On top of that, not only do I have this huge catalog, I have another huge part of my catalog still in development, meaning still in the process of actually being released. So just to give you an idea for my joint venture with United Masters, unless something changes, has over 600 new songs. What I'm trying to do with all the, you know, trade schools and art schools and everything dealing with fashion and apparel and modeling and, you know, everything that deals with arts, crafts, film, cinematography, digital art, audio art, that's just like the tip of the iceberg, right? So we need to put all of those elements on the table. Sadly, what we're going to mention last is the most important. I'm the first artist to have his or her entire catalog on the blockchain as a collection of NFTs, more than one collection, over 200 million already in circulation and already with a few, several million in circulation for the newest collection for 2023. So we have a collection from 2021, the first, a collection from 2022, and now the beginning of a collection for 2023 which I actually held back from releasing um, so many uh, projects while we negotiated this situation because it wasn't until I went through the catalog that I realized, wait a minute, we have some world records here. We need to stake the claim to our accomplishments because we cannot afford to wait two years if you know, the time frame looks like eight or nine months from now. Well, we're already in February. So eight or nine months is October. That's towards the end of the year. 
that's towards the fourth quarter of the year where most labels are going to be financing most of their major releases so everybody is going to be extremely busy for the fourth quarter of any year but especially 2023 because we have an election coming up in a year's time so it crunched the time frame with what I was trying to do because my entire intent of going on the worldwide tour was to increase the value of the catalog and increase my market penetration the exposure of the actual music and with the byproduct which is the money that's generated use that capital as venture capital to invest into other um, businesses that would sustain my system all over again so it's the investment that continues to invest is the gift that continues to give now throughout that process once we realize that we have world's guinness books of records we understand the dynamic of once you establish out of the hundreds of records that i broke or established by myself in one calendar year as an artist all organic none of this was aimed for it wasn't designed that way i didn't say yo i'm gonna go break these records i just worked my ass off and I'm happy, I'm so happy that I broke and established those records that I have no intent of ever breaking those records. Like, I can close the chapter of my underground career completely satisfied with everything that I have established because I did not hold back any punches. I, I didn't leave anything on the table. I fought the entire 12 rounds of the beginning of my career. I fought the 12 rounds of the development years of my career. I fought the 12 rounds when I learned the business in the music industry. I fought the 12 rounds when I applied myself on the business end. I fought the 12 rounds when I applied myself on the artistic spectrum, you know, my work ethic. Everything that I wanted to do, I went completely 100 million percent into it. And the byproduct, is the catalog because you have to understand my catalog doesn't just start in may of 2021 i have a catalog that spans all the way back to 1994 so from 94 which is something else i explained to my friend from 94 to 2012 i have another five six hundred songs from 2012 to 2017 i have another five six hundred songs it wasn't until after 2020 that I was in the zone like, okay, I took everything that I learned and I became the most efficient, effective machine of music creation. So now I have to pause my tour. And it's very simple. I'm booking shows at X amount of dollars because I understand that I'm minting the NFTs that will be sold in my performances with the inclination that I'm going to release these 600 new records. Well, that changes because as you perform and as you open new markets, your exposure increases. 
the brand awareness increases. Therefore, the demand actually goes higher. Thus allowing me to compete at the label exec level because now I can release records from the new catalog to compete with the new generation. But there's a problem. Now if we're talking about a Guinness World Record, I have to stop my tour in theory because I'm not satisfying any need to go perform, perform, perform and open and open, open these markets when I'm waiting for verification that's going to bring the industry to me. Warner Brothers is going to call day one. They're going to place a bid. Sony is going to call day one. They're going to place a bid because they're not going to want Warner Brothers to secure me as an artist or as a record label. Universal is also going to place their bid because Universal is always playing catch up to Sony and to Warner Brothers. Sony probably has the biggest catalog because they have so many artists, including artists, in the Latin market. So what makes you think Warner Brothers does not want the power piece on the chessboard to be able to do the same? What makes you think Universal is going to stop at anything to capitalize on that? Because if you sign me, you're getting more than one artist. If you sign my record label, I already have a roster of artists ready to go. And I haven't even brought that to the negotiation table. So this is what qualifies me to reach out to a Damon Dash who has been blackballed by the industry, who has been looking for his next Jay-Z, his next Kanye West, his next whatever so many artists that um, Damon Dash has been able to, to, to work with, right? And again, it puts everything into perspective. I put myself in a position of power because I understand the business and I understand the industry and I have my own funding and financing. So I'm able to make my own decisions strategically. There is a method to all of my madness. You know, just like doing digital marketing and organic uh, content creation, just like starting this podcast, you can go back to the first episode of this podcast. You can go back to the first episode of all my other platforms and all my other podcasts. You can go to my, my magazine online. I'm able to do all of these things because that is the nature of who I am. I am an artist. This is my artistic expression. But because I'm an artist, it does not mean that I'm not an entrepreneur because I am a hell of an entrepreneur and I'm a serial entrepreneur. And most of the time I'm speaking Japanese to a Chinese person. It looks the same. It sounds the same, but it is not the same. So I made sure that now that I have this position of power, now that I have this catalog and I have all these other opportunities, now I have to shift my emphasis on getting the verifications done. And because I don't want to spend 200 grand right now, it doesn't mean I can't spend 40,000 right now or 60,000 right now to secure the key records that are going to bring me back to the negotiating table 
with Sony, with Warner Brothers, and with Universal? Or how about we do a joint venture with all three? Maybe Sony signs me as an American artist for the English language, for the English market. Maybe Warner Brothers signs me as their first Latin act. Maybe Universal secures the label deal for the talent that I have. This is the magnitude of this deal. So when I'm reaching out to Miss Debbie, not only in my mind am I calculating, well, we have a deal worth at least $300 million. She's getting 20%. That's $60 million. Well, factor in another separate label deal for my Spanish catalog alone. Factor in another deal for distribution for the label. Factor in the fact that I already have Apple Music on the wing. I already have a 95-5 split, which is 5% better than Bad Bunny's deal with United Masters. And all United Masters needs is for an artist to have marketing and distribution in place outside of their system. Also consider the fact that all the producers on there, my goal number one is to do the entire catalog. I would not want to work with United Masters or sign to United Masters for even a year if my goal and intent was not to do the entire catalog. I leave United Masters, I'm leaving with that entire catalog. And that's yet another record, just like when I became the first to, to launch the NFTs on the blockchain. Now I have the biggest catalog in one calendar year. The same is going to be true for 2023. I already have this outlined, even, even my succession um, plans, right? The 200 records I'm going to release next year, and then the 100 records that are coming out in 2025. And by 2026... This will all be in the history books. This is what I'm working with right now. This is the 2nd of February, 2023. Well, depending on what part of the world you guys are in. So this is everything that, that is pent up inside of me as I'm strategizing this. One of my biggest challenges is explaining this to my loved ones, to my family members to my business partners, to everybody involved in my company. Above that, fighting for what I believe in through the music industry, for the music business, understanding that my mind is so clear and I would not settle for one penny less than what I'm entitled to and what I'm worth. Mind you, this is step one. This has nothing to do with the film catalog because I also write movies and I also write books and I also write comic books and video games and poetry and there's so many other things like apparel. I'm also into that business as well. Franchising for, for different type of foods. There's so many things, even real estate, that all are part of what I'm doing. And this is only a foundation where a lot of artists see it as the end-all, be-all. So I am the product and the culmination of a Kareem's Bigsburg and a Sean Carter Jay-Z and a Dame Dash. Because I learned from these guys. These guys are part of my neighborhood. They were part of my stomping grounds. These are the guys that motivated me to work hard, to, to you know, no excuses. 
it's not about what's going on on the outside in the industry. It's about what's going on on the inside of my career and of myself as a human being. It's not about what the next record label is doing because I could take a million dollars and do a hundred million dollars worth of damage where a record label could take a hundred million dollars and do zero damage. I understand that because at the end of the day, just like when I spoke about the NFTs and I had to put that last in the back burner, I have the fucking music. I am the artist. I create music every fucking single day. These record labels don't have artists that can do that. They don't have catalogs full of music like I do. All of those records, I have hits after hits after hits. I could change the dynamic of the records I don't have the clearances to for the production side. The record label has a challenge. They can either go get the rights to those, those records and re-release those records, or we can get all new talent and re-release new versions of those records. They're fucking hit songs. I could fucking make a Christmas album full of hits. I could make a fucking Valentine's Day record full of hits. It doesn't matter. I can package it for St. Patrick's Day. I could package it for fucking Labor Day. I could package it for President's Day. It doesn't matter. So understanding this dynamic, this position of power, what can I do better than to reach out to what I believe is the best up until this point? It doesn't mean that I'm going to close the door for any other management entity, company, corporation, or group of people to be able to handle this. For example, um, there are people that are part of like Avenue A&R. Those are top 20 execs right there. You know, 20 grand, I have the equivalent of a meeting with each one of them I went into where I have people like Casey Graham that I've already reached out to and said, look, Casey, this is my situation because my situation is unique. This is not this artist did this and this artist didn't do that. And this record label did this and this record label didn't do that. No, the catalog is already there. I already have the fucking diamonds and the gold in my hands. Now is how do we proceed? How do we proceed in a way where we're shaking down the industry, we're destroying the industry because we already established a new avenue, but presenting this in a way to the music industry and the music business that is not a way that is uh, offensive, that is not belittling what anybody else is going on, because we are technology-based. And ultimately, we understand the fact that we have the music but we also have the NFTs. And what the industry has been doing since 2021 is to go through those contracts and include NFTs in those negotiations. Well, guess what? That fucking increases the price of everything by fucking 2,000x. You understand me? Then we move on to what people are doing as far as taking their catalogs and basically reestablishing themselves in everything that deals with series, film, streaming, and, and turning records into films. Yet another way to share or express our story. And remember, I'm not just the, the record label exec. 
I'm the artist. I own the catalog. I own the music. I have an infinite resource with my music. My music is becoming clothing. It's becoming art. It's becoming digital displays. It's becoming series, sitcoms, books, comic books, fucking poetry, literature. Like, the possibilities are endless. We're not even focused right now on corporate endorsements. But we do have companies like Reebok on the wing just waiting. Companies like Microsoft. And and I'm not even opening up that echelon because that would be part of the strategy if I got somebody like Ms. Debbie A involved. So, again, this is the beginning of February. I cannot afford to not go on tour and wait for Guinness to verify these records and not be negotiating 24-7. Everything inside of me is telling me continue to record. Everything inside of me is saying I need to be releasing new music every single day. But every part of me inside is saying, wait a minute, we already have this catalog. Now I have to be completely business mode, Fortune 500, and focused on securing the best deals. There are so many entities, even talent agencies, that I'm afraid to contact because this project is very elaborate, it's very sensitive, but it's full of so many good elements that I have to secure that I have the right people involved. This is my fucking life. This is my life's work. I did close to 25, 2600 songs in 2022. What the fuck makes you think I'm going to attempt to break my own record in 2023? I'm doing 600 songs for 2023. That's it. Three to 400 will be released this year. The other 200 will be released next year. Then I have another 100 I need to do once I go off tour. And I already know this. And everything that I release has multiple variants. Not only do I have music in 12 to fucking 20 different styles. I have music in English. As much as I have music in Spanish. As much as I have music that is a fusion of both. So I don't just do rap. I do hip hop. But I also do R&B. And I do techno. And I do trance. And I do reggae. And I do reggaeton. And I do trap. As much as I do dembow. As much as I do champeta, I do salsa, I do bachata, I do fucking merengue, I have mambos, I have fucking cumbias, I got fucking baladas, I got orchestral fucking classical shit in my catalog. I have abstract music, I have music of fusion, I have like four or five albums, just a fusion of music. And I'm not just talking about fusing older records with new material and things like that, I'm talking about fusion of fucking sounds categories that you cannot go into the virgin megastore or let's say uh, a target or walmart and you're gonna find my music in one category no i can fucking flood the entire music section with different releases and i understand this i know this why because we focus on creation of music every single day and until this part of the catalog is negotiated with the right team, I cannot focus on 
expanding the catalog even more. So this is why today's podcast is so important because all of these elements are true to my nature. I need to be able to live with the peace of mind that I've made the absolute best business decisions that I can make for myself as an artist, as an entrepreneur. But remember, I'm also a God-fearing man. I'm a family guy. I have a wife and kids. I have a thousand families that depend on me, that have grandparents and parents and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews. I cannot make a decision focused on what is good for me. I have to make a decision with the emphasis of all the people that depend on the success of my catalog. This is my fucking life. The good, the bad, and the ugly in an artistic expression. Because now, when I create a song, I'm already thinking about the film, the movie, the series, the sitcom, the streams, the digital sales, the downloads. Even the lyrics the content that goes into the music completely changes. You know why? Because I own my music. I own my fucking catalog. I own my career. I own my record label. A record label can't fucking buy me with a few millions of dollars. I have more than a few millions of dollars. And I'm not only invested in music. This is just a fucking stepping stone. Because if I secure a deal with Reebok, We're not going to be talking about your average fucking endorsement deal. We're talking NFTs. We're talking interactive metaverse type of shit. This is not the fucking structure that is the common consensus or the status quo. This is future fucking technology. And I understand the power of this future technology. Yet I need to build a bridge between the people that don't fully understand it. What this has done for artists such as myself, if you have the fucking hard work ethic and if you're willing to push yourself and work hard, this is going to open so many fucking doors, not only for me and my company, but for every fucking artist. The situation is finally fair, but everything has its limit. Tom Brady announces his retirement yesterday. I've been telling him to retire for five years even though he's my favorite fucking player. But I had a business um, class that I taught and a conversation that I had two days prior to that. So I'm very surprised that he reached the conclusion because me, as a very close friend and his fucking number one fan in the whole globe, I'm like, he finally gets it. And I use Kobe Bryant as an example, who's another one of my fucking favorite players of all time. Kobe didn't leave nothing on the table. He gave you the fucking absolute best that he could have given you in the short amount of time that he was on this fucking planet. I've done the same with my underground career. Even though I have the desire to continue to release music to all of you guys, I understand that that's it. This is the beginning of a new catalog. I cannot move forward unless I negotiate the best fucking possible deal for what we've already established. This is the culmination of the last 25, 26, 27 years of hard work. I'm only 40 years old. I've been doing this shit since I was 11, 12 years old. I got a major deal opportunity at 16, 17. So for me, it's still yesterday. 
because I never stopped developing my craft. I never stopped working on the business. I never stopped educating myself. I never stopped investing my money. I've made millions. I lost millions and I made millions again. And I understand that it's a cyclical. It's a cycle, just like in real estate. I, I told a friend of mine, you know, we're talking about the hair care industry. And I said, do you remember when most of us were multimillionaires just in this industry? He's like, oh, man, I don't remember. Well, there's a problem with that. You missed the fucking bus. But there's also great news in that. The new cycle is coming now. Let's take a break and come back with our second segment. So, in continuation, I, as a human being, have to process all of this, right? For the simple fact that these decisions have to be made. You know, I even reached out to Patrick by David and everybody at Valley Tainment. Shout out to all of them. Because as an educator, you know, this is one of my, my, my mentors and my motivation. Shout out to Manny Koshman. Shout out to Kevin Pathrive. Which, again, with my other business partners, we're constantly talking about it because, you know, that's that's another business venture that I'm, that I'm involved with, right? So, again, when you calculate the deals for streaming... And for original content creation, I mean, these are championships. These are home runs. These are things that are not the common consensus in the known normal, right? The common consensus of what the industry is, what it can be what it was, but more importantly, what it will be, because this technology is not going anywhere. This is only going to become more powerful. So how do you talk about something that deals with the future with somebody that's not a time traveler like myself, that is not a visionary that can't see further than today or this year? They can't see five years from now. So if everybody was impressed with the $45 million deals or $50 million deals, of 2021, how are they going to understand a six, seven hundred million dollar deal five years from now? It will be the common ground. Now, you only get to be a pioneer once. Once you break through, you break through. But then the industry adapts, things shift, things change. And then a new innovation comes in and everything continues to grow. So, all of these things are important because not only do I have to create the, the music and be an artist, I got to be a family guy. I got to be diversified in my investment portfolio. But then I have to also be a shrewd negotiator. I know what Tom Brady is worth. I know what Michael Jordan is worth. I know what Kobe Bryant is worth. And I know what Venomar 1 is worth as well. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. So... If they signed these artists last year for 40, 50 million dollars, automatically this year my value increases. But then we're talking about breaking into a genre that is 12 times bigger. So guess what? That's another opportunity. That's another negotiation. That's another deal. I may have different management in place to negotiate that deal. Like the company that manages um, Bad Bunny as an example. If they secured a 90-10 split for him, they can negotiate a 95-15 um, 
five split for me because I already have it with United Masters. I got the deal with Apple for the label on my own. But like with every agreement, with every new business partner, now I have to deliver on what I'm actually uh, requesting. So pretty much that's what it comes down to. Like my career has always been in my hands. What makes you think that now that everything is on this high echelon that that's going to change? At the same time, I know the power of three. I know the power of having three strong people represent my brand and fight for me as hard as I know I will fight for them. Because, for example, Ms. Debbie A, shout out to you, Ms. Debbie A. Once again, she negotiates this deal. And I have all these other deals on the table. I'm going to go as hard for her in these 12 other negotiations as she's going to go for me for this one negotiation. So now her business expands and explodes on a different level. And guess what? I spearhead that movement. I get to be the first international artist. That's a male. That's the Latin uh, diversification for her portfolio. So I have to cherry pick the people on my team because I plan to be in business with these people for the rest of my life. And it's not just because I'm Jewish, but it is common consensus. It is well known when people make money with us, they'd love to make money with us because we're always making money together. When I make money, a lot of people around me make money. And guess what? They want to make more money. So more deals come to the table and things continue to grow uh, exponentially from within. Because if you secure a deal for apparel for me and my company and my brand, and I'm able to broker a deal for footwear, well, being that I have this rapport built up with you, why wouldn't I entrust you to say, you know what, would you like to expand and diversify your portfolio? Would you like to handle this footwear contract deal that, you know, you're very good at apparel. Do you think you can add footwear to your um, portfolio? What about accessories? What about, uh, you know, interactive? And it continues to grow. You see, 20, 30, 40 years ago, artists didn't have these incentives. They didn't have to think outside the box. They didn't have to focus on so many elements. So even the quality of the music has changed for the better in the sense of connectivity. There's 8 billion people on earth. There's no way every artist can sell 20 million records. You, you, you're telling me we're going to have a billion artists? We may have a million and I can see a future where we have 20 million artists, but not 20 billion. One thing I learned from one of my mentors, and I'm going to close with this. We'll move on to the module. My mentor used to always tell me, everybody does not want a BMW. Everybody doesn't, doesn't care about a BMW. And it's, it's the truth. Some people want a Bentley. Some people want a Rolls Royce. But some people want a Toyota Camry. Some people want a Mini Cooper. Some people just want a Jeep. Some people want a fucking Ram. Some people want a truck. Some people like boats. Some people like aircraft. Some people like to fucking, you know, uh, they like to do mixed martial arts instead of exercising. Everybody's different. 
out of 8 billion people in the world, I don't see more than 100 million being diehard artists. Just calculate how many doctors there are in the world. Do you think you have a billion doctors? No. If we cannot coexist where there's less than a million fucking doctors and a million lawyers and a million uh, stockbrokers and a million fucking engineers, you know what I'm saying? How are we going to coexist when there's a hundred fucking million artists? Where every fucking country has their, their daddy Yankee. And every market has their fucking Celine Dion. When all of us on this fucking planet Earth, eventually, if we don't have a digital platform, we will have a digital platform. If we don't have a digital platform that's portable, maybe we'll have a digital platform that's stationary. But the technology is not slowing down. The technology is not being minimized. People are not decreasing their use of this implementation of all of this technology. People are incorporating it because they're expanding the horizons of their time output because it comes back down to time. And just like an NFT is you freezing a moment in time, it's the same with everything else. People go on a jog and they go to the gym and work out and listen to a fucking university class. So they're getting an education while they're nutrition in their body and getting a, a hell of a fucking exercise. They're maximizing their time. By the time I go to my office, I've been trading stocks for about four hours. I've done my entire educational series, my psychology series. I fucking put in all my investments for today and for the rest of the week and maybe for next week. I've done the podcast. When I'm in my office and I'm writing the articles for my magazine, I'm reviewing everything. By the time I get back home to my home office and my home studio, I'm recording music. So as soon as that's done, that shit is being marketed and promoted organically through digital marketing. Then I'm teaching a class on it. So I'm relearning everything that I'm relearning and I'm sharing everything with you guys all at the same time. I need people like me on my team that reflect who I am and my core values and reflect my brand. Because in everything that I do, I'm going to be representing and reflecting them. And I'm going to be growing their premium brands because my business model is I only build successful businesses and I'm aggressive. I fucking work seven days a week, open or close, and I don't get tired. I can run on fucking two hours of sleep. How many people fucking do that, especially after they have millions of dollars, especially after they're retired or they're established? Most people slow the fuck down. For me, I'm like Patrick Bet David. I'm like fucking Kobe Bryant. It's the fucking thrill of the hunt. The harder I work, the harder I work. And the harder I continue to push myself. I don't believe in limitations. I don't believe in the common consensus. I don't believe in yesterday's world. For me, the past does not exist. That shit is over with. However the fuck you did business before COVID-19 doesn't exist. However you did business during COVID-19 doesn't exist. How you do business from now to the future, that's the only thing that matters. It's not the song that I recorded yesterday. That's yesterday's hit. It's today's hit. It's tomorrow's hit. That's why I need to be back in the studio. I made a decision yesterday. 
and I was unable to record because I had to do some some uh, logistics for a few business investments and I had to reach out to a you know one of my business partners but now today the sabbatical starts right tonight so my focus shifts completely to God complete artistic uh, expression I'm gonna be recording music and I'm gonna be conducting business on the very outside because I'm already forward thinking to next Monday what's gonna be the next investment the next move for the next week so without further ado let's move on to our module because I am on a schedule today and I have a few more minutes left with you guys for today So I want to thank you for joining me and coming along with me on this journey. So now let me give you guys some value. Let's build some value into what we're doing so that you guys can take something with you and we can share our insights on how we are learning and adapting to this new future comments that is to come. And not just because there's a fucking election year coming up, but because future business is completely different to what we understood previously. So log on to Mind Tools, download the app. You can find it on the iTunes store. You can find it on the web. And you can also find it on Amazon, through Amazon Prime, or the Android Marketplace, as well as the Google Play Store. Select your orange module, your rectangle with 120 free tools. Select um, leadership skills. And when you open that nomenclature, log on to leadership styles. And apply this to my situation, but also apply this to your situation and whatever you can learn from it. Make sure you pay it forward to share it with as many people as you can and continue to be the, the source of inspiration for yourself and those around you because I will do the exact same, okay? So leadership styles. Choosing the right approach for the situation. Types of leadership styles. There are as many approaches to leadership as there are leaders. From Lenwin's leadership style framework, of the 1930s to the more recent ideas about transformational leadership. There are also many general styles, including servant and transactional leadership. Building awareness of frameworks and styles can help you to develop your approach and to be a more effective leader. From Winston Churchill and Angela Merkel to Queen Elizabeth I and II and Martin Luther King, there can be as many ways to lead people as there are leaders. Fortunately, business people and psychologists have developed useful frameworks that describe the main ways that people lead. When you understand these frameworks, you can develop your own approach to leadership and become a more effective leader as a result. 
in this article and video, we'll highlight some of the common approaches to leadership that you can use. We'll also look at some specific styles of leadership and we'll explore the advantages and disadvantages of each. If you're looking for a broader discussion of what makes a leader or not, read our guide to what is leadership. Useful Leadership Style Frameworks. So let's look at some useful approaches shown mainly in the order they appeared that you can use to become a more effective leader. Your own personal approach is likely to be a blend of these, depending on your own preferences, your people's needs, and the situation you're in. Lewin's Leadership Styles Psychologist Kurt Lewin developed his framework in the 1930s, and it provided the foundation of many of the approaches that followed afterwards. He argued that there are three major styles of leadership. Number one, autocratic leaders make decisions without consulting their team members, even if their input would be useful. This can be appropriate when you need to make decisions quickly, when there's no need for team input, and when team agreement isn't necessary for a successful outcome. However, this style can be demoralizing and it can lead to high levels of absenteeism and staff turnover. Number two, democratic leaders. They make the final decisions, but they include team members in the decision-making process. They encourage creativity, and people are often highly engaged in projects and decisions. As a result, team members tend to have high job satisfaction and high productivity. This is not always an effective style to use though, when you need to make a quick decision. Number three, lasers fair leaders give their team members a lot of freedom in how they do their work and how they set their deadlines. They provide support with resources and device if needed, but otherwise they don't get involved. This autonomy can lead to high job satisfaction, but it can be damaging if team members don't manage their time well, or if they don't have the knowledge, skills, or self-motivation to do their work effectively. Less fair leadership can also occur when managers don't have control over their work and their people. Lewin's framework is popular and useful because it encourages managers to be less autocratic 
than they might instinctively be. Blake Mouton Managerial Grid The Blake Mouton Managerial Grid was published in 1964 and it highlights the most appropriate style to use based on your concern for your people and your concern for production tasks. With a people-oriented style, you focus on organizing, supporting, and developing your team members. This participatory style encourages good teamwork and creative collaboration. With task-oriented leadership, you focus on getting the job done. You define the work and the roles required. You put structures in place and plan, organize, and monitor work. According to this model, the best style to use is one that has both a high concern for people and a high concern for the task. It argues that you should aim for both rather than trying to offset one against the other. Clearly, this is an important idea. Path Goal Theory you may also have to think about what your team members want and need. This is where Path Goal Theory, published in 1971, is useful. For example, highly capable people who are assigned to a complete task will need a different leadership approach from people with low ability who are assigned to an ambiguous task. The former will want a participative approach, while the latter need to be told what to do. With path goal theory, you can identify the best leadership approach to use based on your people's needs, the tasks that they're doing, and the environment that they're working in. Six emotional leadership styles. Daniel Goldman, Richard Boyatzis, and Annie McKee detailed their six emotional leadership styles theory in their 2002 book, Primal Leadership. The theory highlights the strengths and weaknesses of six common styles, visionary, coaching, affiliative, democratic, pace setting, and commanding. It also shows how each style can affect the emotions of your team members. Famholtz and Randall's Leadership Style Matrix. First published in 2007, Flamholtz and Randall's Leadership Style Matrix shows you the best style to use based on how capable people are of working autonomously and how creative or I'm sorry, programmable the task is. The matrix is divided into four quadrants. Each quadrant identifies two possible styles that will be effective for a given situation, ranging from autocratic, benevolent autocratic, to consensus, laissez-faire. Transformational leadership. The leadership framework discussed so far are all useful in different situations. However, in business, transformational leadership is often the most effective style to use. 
This was first published in 1978 and was then further developed in 1985. Transformational leaders have integrity and high emotional intelligence. They motivate people with a shared vision of the future and they communicate well. They're also typically self-aware, authentic, empathetic, and humble. Transformational leaders inspire their team members because they expect the best from everyone and they hold themselves accountable for their actions. They set clear goals and they have good conflict resolution skills. This leads to high productivity and engagement. However, leadership is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Often, you must adapt your approach to fit the situation. This is why it's useful to develop a thorough understanding of other leadership frameworks and styles. After all, the more approaches you're familiar with, the more flexible you can be. Specific Leadership Styles as well as understanding the frameworks that you can use to be a more effective leader and knowing what it takes to be a more transformational leader, it's also, it's also useful to learn about more general styles and the advantages and disadvantages of each one. Let's take a look at some other styles of leadership that are interesting but don't fit with any of the frameworks above. Note, remember not all of these styles of leadership will have a positive effect on your team members, either in the short or long term. See our article in Dunham and Pierce's leadership model for more on how your actions as a leader will affect your team. Bureaucratic leadership. Bureaucratic leaders follow rules rigorously and ensure that their people follow procedures precisely. This is appropriate for work involving serious safety risks, such as working with machinery, with toxic substances, or at dangerous heights, or with large sums of money. Bureaucratic leadership is also useful for managing employees who perform routine tasks. This style is much less effective in teams and organizations that rely on flexibility, creativity, or innovation. Charismatic Leadership Charismatic leadership resembles transformational leadership. Both types of leaders inspire and motivate their team members. The difference lies in their intent. Transformational leaders want to transform their teams and organizations, while leaders who rely on charisma often focus on themselves and their own ambitions, and they may not want to change anything. Charismatic leaders might believe that they can do no wrong, even when others warn them about the path that they're on. This feeling of invincibility can severely damage a team or an organization, as was shown in the 2008 financial crisis. Servant Leadership 
A servant leader is someone, regardless of level, who leads simply by meeting the needs of the team. The term sometimes describes a person without formal recognition as a leader. These people often lead by example. They have high integrity and lead with generosity. Their approach can create a positive corporate culture and it can lead to high morale among team members. Supporters of the servant leadership model suggest that it's a good way to move ahead in a world where values are increasingly important and where servant leaders can achieve power because of their values, ideas, and ethics. However, others believe that people who practice servant leadership can find themselves left behind by other leaders, particularly in competitive situations. This style also takes time to apply correctly. It's ill-suited to situations where you have to make quick decisions or meet tight deadlines. Transactional leadership. This style starts with the idea that team members agree to obey their leaders when they accept a job. The transaction usually involves the organization paying team members in return for their effort and compliance on a short-term task. The leader has a right to punish team members if their work doesn't meet an appropriate standard. Transactional leadership is present in many business leadership situations, and it does offer some benefits. For example, it clarifies everyone's roles and responsibilities. And because transactional leadership judges team members on performance, people who are ambitious or who are motivated by external rewards including compensation, often thrive. The downside of this style is that on its own, it can be chilling and amoral, and it can lead to high staff turnover. It also has serious limitations for knowledge-based or creative work. As a result, team members can often do little to improve their job satisfaction. Here are a few key points. In business, transformational leadership is often the best leadership style to use. However, no one style of leadership fits all situations, so it's useful to understand different leadership frameworks and styles. You can then adapt your approach to fit your situation. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an amazing module. I think that it 100% applies to our situation for today and we want to thank you for making it through to this point we'll see you on the next one thank you so much and god bless may you conquer everything in your path today may everything that you touch turn into solid gold always remember to dream big because dreams come true it happened to me and i know for a fact it's going to happen to you thank you so much for your time i love you guys and we'll see you on the next one